It is 11:30 here on a Tuesday morning. Time for us to take a look at our 880. Take a look at a midday here on 880. Scott in here with you, along with Jason Jorgensen and Susan Littlefield. Bob Brogan's here too as we take a look at what's going to be happening on our midday program over the next couple hours on a pretty but windy day that could end up uh, with some thunderstorms involved too. We'll talk to Paul Perkins about that. That's coming up in just a little bit. Let's begin our program as always with Susan Littlefield. Good morning, Susan. Well, good morning, Scott. Here's what's happening on the midday from the farm team. Shaylee Peters is going to actually have a two-part series, um, both at 1219 and 117 with the National Pork Board. They held a a media call yesterday afternoon to talk about the happenings of the industry with the talk of euthanization and some of these pigs. So she's going to bring you up to speed on, on what's being told. Then at 1245, Alex will step in as UNL survey geologist Aaron Young explains results of a groundwater level monitoring report from 2019 so that's a look at the happenings on the midday from the farm team all right thank you very much susan appreciate it look forward to it we turn it over to jason jorgensen husker men's basketball team picks up another player to go along with their whole new team yeah coach hoiberg had a couple more scholarships to play with for this year and they picked up a guy by the name of trevor lakes Six seven guy can shoot it from the outside a little bit. Now he has an interesting backstory to him. He has played the last three years at Division two Indiana University. Oh, yeah, apparently yeah. there's been enough there that they've seen that they like. Now he has one year of eligibility remaining. The thought would be he would come into Lincoln, red shirt, get himself ready, then be ready to go for one year. But the NCAA still hasn't ruled on whether people can switch from school to school anymore one time without having to burn a year. Oh, that's right. So he might eventually be eligible, but the scuttlebutt I've seen is that uh, they think he'll probably come in in red shirt. Okay. So Hoiberg has one more scholarship left to give. Also coming up, we'll tell you about one of the top basketball recruits ever to come out of the state of Nebraska, Hunter Salas. He now has an offer on the table from North Carolina. Oh, my. Five-star recruit out of Omaha. Okay, that's uh, that's as big as uh, back in was it Bill Jackman that came out of Grant went to Duke, yep. right? But Duke wasn't really Duke then. That's I mean, they were true. Just that's in the formative true. stages, but still, I mean, it's that's a big, that's a yeah, big one. So, sadly, there, there's been a lot of good talent to come out of Omaha and Lincoln in the yeah. last several years, and Nebraska just has not been able to get there a fair share. That's very true. All right, thank you very much. We turn it over to Bob Brogan. We got some red on the board today. Stocks uh, were rising, but uh, right now they're not rising at all. They are uh, falling. Nations and some U.S. states are moving toward reopening their economies from lockdowns. But there's a lot of concern out there. Uh, U.S. crude oil prices were swinging wildly on concern about oversupply and a lack of storage space. Also, U.S. consumer confidence plunged in April as millions lost their jobs. But U.S. home prices rose at a steady pace in February before the viral outbreak. UPS, United Parcel Service Incorporated, reported a 13% drop in first quarter profit. Uh, You would think that they wouldn't be losing anything. Uh, Lots of folks staying home and ordering stuff. All right, very good. That's all coming up on Mid- 
Miss anything from Midday on KRVN? Well, don't worry. Subscribe to the KRVN Midday Podcast on iTunes, Android, or the TuneIn app for a recap in ag weather, ag news, sports, business, exclusive interviews, and the current local news. Subscribe and download the free KRVN Midday Podcast now. It is 1143, time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here with us as uh, we've got some wind going on today and we're looking at a little bit of rain kind of buffeted by some rain to the northwest and to the southeast. Exactly, yeah. We had a little bit of rain move through overnight in many areas uh, from northwest to southeast and that rain... It kind of died out, and then it be developed a little bit more, and it's currently stretching from about the Fall City area to Concordia to about Russell, Kansas, and moving off towards the east and southeast. But just on the heels of that, another disturbance coming in from the northwest Nebraska Panhandle. That's kicking up a little bit of light rain from about Gordon and Shadron down to around the Alliance area. Also, temperatures on the very chilly side in the Nebraska Panhandle right now, some mid and upper 40s. Uh, towards uh, Shandron and Gordon, but most of us still pretty nice on the yeah. temperatures. I just know, yeah, you're right. That's a <laughs> good day, 47 in Shadron and 68 here, so quite a difference for sure. Exactly, and then all uh, right around the low 70s as you head towards about Aurora and York on into eastern areas of Nebraska. Most of us with those temperatures, upper 60s to the low 70s. After a very warm day yesterday where we saw highs hit to the low and mid-80s, pretty much region-wide. A lot of us are enjoying a lot of sunshine right now, but we are seeing those clouds over southeast Nebraska and much of central and east Kansas and also some more clouds approaching from the Nebraska Panhandle. Looks like the bulk of this system coming in from the northwest will be across uh, much of South Dakota. Northwest winds expected to gust up to 45 today in behind the passage of a cold front and increase that fire danger to critical levels. We do have, of course, a red flag warning in west and central Nebraska and also northwest and north central Kansas this afternoon into early this evening. Very scattered rain and thunderstorms are possible in central and east areas with a passing disturbance behind this front. During some isolated thunderstorms, we are now looking at the potential of some wind gusts of 50 to 60. Temperatures will be cooler, but still about 10 degrees above average for this time of year. Just not as warm as what we saw yesterday. Our forecast dries out for this evening, but the wind speeds will remain steady and gusty during the overnight. Tomorrow will be slightly cooler, once again on the windy side. Temperatures cooler tomorrow, but still above average for this time of year. We're going to see those windy conditions as high pressure pushes in from the west and low pressure departs to the east. Thursday and Friday looking at a much warmer than normal time period there with temperatures well above normal. A ridge of high pressure building onto the plains for that warm-up and some dry weather. Friday will be as much as 20 degrees warmer than usual, expecting highs on Friday in the upper 80s to low 90s. Can you say summertime is on the way for the first part of May there, the first yes. day of May coming up? Wow, May Day, May Day. <laughs> yeah. With the passage of cold front, our weekend and early next week turns slightly unsettled with seasonal to slightly above normal temperatures. Rain and thunderstorm chances mainly small, that best chance coming up on Saturday night. In our long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures start out mainly seasonal the early half of next week. The late half of next week through May 11th, though, a trend to slightly cooler than normal on the temperatures. Rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas the early half of next week, slightly above normal. A drier outlook of near normal to below normal rainfall is predicted late next week through the 11th. 
Another warm day yesterday, and that gave us some soil temperatures. Four inches down at seven this morning in the mid to upper 50s, pretty much region-wide in Nebraska and Kansas. The exception, along and west of the line from O'Neill to Ogallala, where soil temperatures were in the low 50s, so even their soil temperatures are good enough for some planting right now. Weather factors in the market include variances in the planting forecast for the Midwest this next week and stress to winter wheat from dryness and cold. Developing storm over the upper Midwest will drift to the east and intensify, should reach the northeast U.S. by Friday. And due to the storm's slow movement, cool, rainy weather will plague most areas from the Mississippi Valley eastward. Heat will continue to build east from the west, with late week temperatures topping as high as 90 as far north as Nebraska. And we could see up around 90 over southwest Nebraska by Friday and some low 90s into northwest Kansas. And we could see highs approach 100 across the southern high plains. In the eastern Midwest, moderate to heavy rain the next seven days will hinder that field work and planting. The western Midwest with a better chance of progress in the field with a drier forecast. The northern plains will have periods of rain the next couple of days and then turn drier by seven days from now. But the northern plains temperatures will remain cool with near to below normal temperatures. Southern plains wheat areas will have stressful, dry, windy and very warm to hot weather the rest of this week. Weak conditions are declining from the dryness along with freezes the middle part of this month. Better rain chances expected about 7 to 10 days out in the Southern Plains. All right, very good. It is uh, certainly warming up. Or some people are going to have to start thinking about an AC maybe before <laughs> too long. At yeah, least it's cooling off at night. Exactly. So. I, I cracked yesterday. Did you? I always have to go to bed early. And yes, so and it was, uh, right. and it's, that's sunny when I'm still going <laughs> bed and uh, it's like the house does not cool off when you that's have house. that sun out so yeah i cracked yesterday for the first did time you really have, all right that's even okay. saw a few pivots running yesterday yeah, i did too uh, i yeah. saw them this morning too so we could use some rain for sure it's getting to that point exactly get that crop in the field this week and look maybe get a little rain next week sounds good sounds like a plan all right thank you bye appreciate it paul where do you go to check in on your web weather tab krvn.com Talking options with the swine industry as packing plants continue to close. I'm Shaylee Peters joining you on the Rural Radio Network. And today we're going to hear from Dr. Beth Thompson. She is with the Minnesota Board of Animal Health and she joined uh, the National Pork Board here recently discussing uh, some different options for pork producers in these unprecedented times. And here she just gives an update on some of the things that they're looking at and discussing with their producers. The, the last few weeks, have been very difficult, very difficult for for uh, everybody out across the country. But as we talk about agriculture, especially for our producers and specifically for our hog producers, there's so much uncertainty out there. Uh, a note that, of course, we push out from the Board of Animal Health is that this, of course, is not a food safety concern. This is a supply chain issue that we're dealing with. Uh, we work very closely, of course, with uh, the producers and the veterinarians in the state of Minnesota and other states, but producers and, and veterinarians work through these issues together, too, and they work together in the good times and in times like this. So, for example, we have uh, trained subject matter experts in disposal, carcass disposal, within the Board of Animal Health. Uh, those folks live out in the communities. We have them across the state. Uh, any of that information is up on our website. 
And I'd also, you know, I'd push it out to all of you. If you haven't looked at our website recently, we do have information specific to burial. We've got rendering contacts. We've got an interactive list. If producers are looking for carbon sources, if they're going to be doing some composting, we've got an interactive list out there. And the, and the last thing, Cindy, I think I'll bring up is, you know, the Minnesota Department of Agriculture is a close partner to the Board of Animal Health here in Minnesota. Um, they have an excellent resource when it comes to farmer stress. And uh, that there's also a link on the board website to that information. And I'm going to be on a seminar with the folks from Department of Ag here in Minnesota later this week uh, talking to farmers about um, mental health and, and what to do and who to reach out to uh, with those um, any resources for, for the stress that's going on right now in our agricultural community. Dr. Thompson says this will differ from state to state, but there are different agencies that producers will likely need to reach out to. Once the de decision is made to either de depopulate or euthanize, and there is that disposal um, issue that comes up, uh, first of all, in the state of Minnesota, that, that regulation or that law, uh, the decision-making process lands at the Board of Animal Health. So the Board of Animal Health will work through uh, those disposal options with the producer. Uh, since these are healthy animals, we can also, according to the law, uh, consult with the Pollution Control Agency, and, and we're doing that right now. Uh, the Pollution Control Agency in Minnesota is, is standing by for any of those decisions that need to be made. Dr. Thompson also touched on the effort being made to look at alternative measures. The uh, Department of Agriculture has a person working on that right now, and I think she's dedicated a lot of her time to that. And I've gotten some, as you say, out of the box. You know, maybe there are some 4-Hers or FFAers that are looking for some hogs, or maybe there are groups of people that can take some of these hogs and process them in, in other ways or for growing purposes. So we do have a person at our Minnesota Department of Agriculture that are take, that is taking those ideas. Thank you. We'll hear more from Dr. Thompson later. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, Nebraska basketball has landed another commitment as Trevor Lakes announced his commitment today. Lakes has spent the last three years at the University of Indiana. That's a Division II school. At around 6'7", 230 pounds, he's a forward who can come off of screens and is a high-volume shooter. He has one year of eligibility remaining. Now it's unclear whether he will redshirt this year or play immediately for the Big Red. First five-star basketball prospect in Nebraska is believed to be the first in-state prospect to receive an offer from North Carolina. After a long virtual meeting with the Tar Heels coaching staff yesterday, Miller North Jr. Hunter Salas announced his offer on Twitter. Now, Carolina is just the latest in a string of big schools to offer Salas. Others include Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, Louisville, and UCLA. Southern Valley High School has hired Jimmy Sendelar as its new boys basketball coach. He replaces Tyler Fincher, who's leaving for a teaching position in Hardington. Sendelar was an assistant at Southern Valley under Fincher and before that under the legendary John Miller. The Eagles are coming off a year in which they finished as a Class D1 state runner-up at the NSAA state tournament. 
Grantsville, Utah, offensive tackle. Bronson Yeager announced his commitment to Nebraska football last night. His commitment number five for head coach Scott Frost and his staff in the 2021 recruiting cycle. He's a big dude, six foot seven, three hundred and twenty pounds. He also held offers from BYU, California, Iowa State, and Vanderbilt. Well, Texas Tech Athletic Director Kirby Hokut says his school will cut nearly $7 million from its athletic budget in the upcoming school year. That includes eliminating performance bonuses for himself and Red Raider coaches. Cuts are needed because of the economic shutdown caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Now, Hokut did not say the school was cutting any jobs or sports. Most of the cuts will come from reducing administrative and operational expenses. And the Kansas City Chiefs are releasing two-time Pro Bowl punter Dustin Colquitt. His 15-year career with the Chiefs allowed him to set numerous franchise records, including the most games played and most postseason appearances. Colquitt posted a farewell on his Instagram page late last night. Now, Colquitt, who was 38, stopped short of saying whether he was retiring or not. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. The Nebraska Cattlemen continue their Black Swan events, taking place on Thursdays through May 7th at 7 o'clock in the evening Central Time. This week, April 30th, will focus on Packer Consolidation. Are they breaking the law? You can register for the event by going to NebraskaCattlemen.org, and you will find the link at the bottom of the page. We encourage you to participate in the webinar or just listen live right here, 7 o'clock until 8.30 on KRVN. The Department of Commerce announced Monday new export control actions to prevent efforts by entities in China, Russia, and Venezuela to acquire U.S. technology that could be used in development of weapons, military aircraft, or surveillance technology through civilian supply chains for military end-uses and military end-users. U.S. Senator Ben Sass adds that these rules are long overdue. This is an important rule because it's grounded in two basic truths. One, modern war is high-tech. And two, China's so-called private sector is fake. It's not private. We didn't win the Cold War by selling cruise missiles to the Soviets, and we're not going to beat China by selling semiconductors to the People's Liberation Army. The Bureau of Industry and Security in the Department of Commerce is responsible for overseeing these export control activities. Governor Pete Ricketts is defending his decision to ease social distancing restrictions in some parts of Nebraska, even though the number of confirmed coronavirus cases has surged in the last few days. Ricketts, a Republican, announced Friday that he was relaxing rules for businesses such as restaurants, salons, and tattoo parlors in certain regions of Nebraska and allowing all churches to resume in-person services as long as they follow new safety rules. The Center for Rural Affairs and Lions has been working to help those interested in starting or growing a business with a series of workshops. Project associate Jordan Fireherm explains the first part of the effort. We are doing a project that has several parts to it. Um, earlier in the year, we had a workshop uh, where we invited people in four different communities to come in and talk with experts about uh, uh, starting a business. It was focused on food-based businesses mainly, uh, but we had uh, four different people from economic development, um, lenders, and all of that to kind of provide some context and information to people who are looking to start a business. A free online training session will be held on May 4th from 1.30 to 2.30. 
The online session will be offered in both English and Spanish. A former UNK football player has signed with the National Football League's Atlanta Falcons as an undrafted free agent. Hinwa Aliu, a six foot five, two hundred and ninety pound defensive lineman for the Lopers, states that his goal when coming to UNK was never about getting into the NFL. My focus was just taking it one day at a time. You know, focus on the day, focus on helping the team win games, and just try to be a good leader to my teammates. And that's really what I focused on and paid out. So obviously, I mean, you, you keep that at the back of your mind, but that wasn't really my primary focus. My focus was just to help the UNK team. Leo is the 12th Loper to sign with an NFL team since 2000. He was a member of an all-MIAA team in three of his last four seasons at UNK. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Results of the 2019 groundwater level report have been released, and I'm joined by Aaron Young. He's a survey geologist with the UNL School of Natural Resources, to learn about the results. Aaron, before we get into the 2019 results, can you tell us a little bit about this report and really what it's intended for? This year's report had some some difficulties. Um, last year, so to start with, this is, is a report based on readings that were taken in the spring of 2019. And that spring date ranges from beginning of March to about mid to late April. So, a lot of the groundwater levels that were taken in the spring of 19 um, either were taken right as flooding began or kind of right during that time. So that brought up a couple problems in that all the flood water takes time to move through the soil and into the aquifer where we can, can see it in, in wells. And a lot of that impact didn't really show up by the time that, that we're taking spring readings. The other problem was a lot of the wells that you know, we, we measure on a year-to-year basis were actually underwater. You know, so a lot of wells in those, those heavily impacted areas just didn't get measured. So last year, um, I don't have an exact number. It's, believe it or not, actually kind of a hard number to come up with, but several hundred uh, wells that, that were in some of those hard-hit areas actually didn't get measured. So... In many respects, kind of the uh, impacts of the flood on groundwater are a little bit underrepresented in, in the 2019 report. So what did you find out about the 2019 results for the state as a whole? For the state as a whole, groundwater levels are definitely up. Um, so if you take all the groundwater level measurements we took last year, which is a little bit over 5,000 wells, and you average out the the change in those wells from spring of 2018 to spring of 2019, uh, groundwater levels rose on average about 1.3 feet. But for a one-year change, that's a, a fairly significant change. And then you mentioned some specific areas that had a bit more extreme results. Can you dive into those a little bit? Sure. So... Colfax County back in 2012, after the drought, had some of the most severe declines in the state, and those were just a little bit less than 25 feet. Um, in that area last year, groundwater levels rose in the 10 to 15 foot range. And if you include rises that we saw over the previous couple of years, um, 
the, the impact of, of the drought in Colfax County has, has largely been erased. There's still a little bit of lingering declines in some areas, but it's, it's largely been brought back to pre-2012 levels in that, that county. And for that matter, much of eastern Nebraska saw some pretty significant rises, which helped offset some of the, the lingering declines from the drought of 2012. And that area specifically, they don't irrigate quite as much as central and western Nebraska. Did you find anything about um, in, in places where it's irrigation heavy? Um, yeah, so particularly the, the Platte River Valley, um, that's a pretty heavily irrigated section in Nebraska. That uh, the valley, the Platte River Valley saw rises, saw some pretty significant rises in 2019. You know, parts of, of Dawson and, and Buffalo County saw some rises in the range of 5 to 10 feet. Um, that area has some very coarse material that makes up the aquifer. So on a year-to-year basis, we can see some pretty significant fluctuations there. Um, you know, it, it gets drawn down in dry years, and in wet years, it comes back up very quickly. So with all the flooding we saw, that, that was probably one of the first areas to see those those rises from the, the floods that we saw in, in early 2019. Aaron, what would you say based on the 2019 results, and I know they, you know, not everything was accounted for, unfortunately, with everything that happened, but what were the key takeaways from what you learned? Well, the key takeaways is that groundwater levels are going up. Um, From what we mapped here in the spring of of 2019 to today, that water is is still out there in, in some sense. And it seems like it's it's working its way through the system and into the aquifer. Um, the very few preliminary results that we have from the spring of 2020 readings is that groundwater levels are, are really continuing to, to come up. Um, hopefully, we'll, we'll kind of see the true impact of last year's flooding on the 2020 map, which will be out later this year. Um, but overall, groundwater levels are are coming back up from some of the lows that we've seen in, in the last five or ten years. What's the best way to access all of these results? So the report is available for download for free. Um, you can go to the website go.unl.eu uh, forward slash groundwater. And from the links there, you can download... Uh, this year's report, as well as all the reports that have been produced uh, by the Conservation Survey Division at UNL since 1950. All right. Thanks so much for that information. We've been joined by Aaron Young. He's a survey geologist with the UNL School of Natural Resources. To learn more about the 2019 groundwater level monitoring report that was just released. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Winter wheat continues to grow and spring wheat is looking to go in the field. Join us every Wednesday at 417 for the Plansky Pure Winter Wheat Wednesday. We'll find out from the folks at Plansky Seed how the wheat crop is doing as we go from Texas all the way to Nebraska to check in with the weekly growth of the crop. 
With this year's winter wheat tour canceled due to COVID-19, it's a way to keep you up to date on how the crop for winter wheat is maturing. That's 417 Wednesdays on KRVN. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Market indicators are now down. They were up earlier. Stocks were rising in the early trading as nations and some U.S. states moved toward reopening their economies from lockdowns made to restrict the spread of the coronavirus. U.S. crude oil prices swung wildly again on concern about oversupply and a lack of storage space. U.S. consumer confidence plunged in April as millions lost their jobs, with an index that monitors attitudes about current business and work conditions dropping by the largest amount on record. The conference board saying that its confidence index tumbled to a reading of 86.9, down from 118.8 in March. The index is composed of consumers' assessments of present conditions and expectations about the future. U.S. home prices rose at a steady pace in February before the viral outbreak shuttered much of the economy and caused a sharp fall in home sales. The S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller 20-City Home Price Index rose 3.5% in February from a year ago, up from a 3.1% increase in January. Southwest Airlines is posting its first quarterly loss in almost a decade, and doesn't see any improvement in air travel on the horizon. United Parcel Service Incorporated reported a 13% drop in first quarter profit to $965 million as stay-at-home orders generated deliveries to people's homes, but not enough to offset the higher costs and a drop in business deliveries. UPS saying today that the coronavirus outbreak has created significant headwinds package delivery company withdrew forecasts about future revenue and profit, saying it couldn't predict the depth or duration of the pandemic's impact on its business. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Continuing our conversation now with Dr. Beth Thompson. She is with the Minnesota Department of Animal Health and going over options for pork producers in these unprecedented times of the COVID-19 pandemic. As plants continue to close, Dr. Thompson has been talking resources and here she's urging producers to stay in communication with their veterinarians as they make some of these decisions. I always like to go back to the veterinarians. You know, the, the swine veterinarians that are out across not only Minnesota, but all of the hog producing states, they have good solid relationships with their clients. And that's a good place to start is that working relationship with a veterinarian. Over and above that, veterinarians have resources. You know, it's not just the individual producer and it's not just the producer and veterinarian, but they also, the veterinarians have resources, including uh, the American Association of Swine Veterinarians. There's also good resources at AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association. All of those, when we're, when we're talking about these stressful situations where farmers might have to put down, euthanize, or depopulate their, their barns of animals, uh, working together with the veterinarian and using those resources. Again, uh, National Pork Board, uh, National Pork Producers Council also have a lot of those resources too. 
Mental health is another area they are urging producers to pay close attention to and take care of. She said resources are available and just watching the signs of other producers or those involved in making these decisions. There are you know, a number of signs depending on workers, uh, whether it's in the, the south farm, in the nursery, in the wean to finish, in the finisher, uh, with truckers. There are a number of signs based on the person themselves. And, you know, back when I was out in those cell farms, there, there, when, when there's a stressful time, we always know that different people have different outwi- outward signs. And knowing those people, again, going back to those managers and to the veterinarians, is really useful in how you can actually deal with the stress. Certainly, keeping open communication with everybody that is on the farm, checking in maybe on a daily, every other day basis with the employees, making sure that the employees know that they're supported in what they are doing, and then having that line of communication from employee to employee. Uh, That good communication also is very important in these times. Finally, Cindy Cunningham with the National Pork Board hopped on to talk about their texting service that also allows producers to get up-to-date information during crises like this. The pork industry text alert service is easily usable by all of our pork producers and those in the industry. Simply text pork crisis, and that's all one word, pork crisis, to 97296. Again, the number to text it to is 97296. This is a service that we actually used for the very first time last week. It's the first crisis that has met the level that we are at right now. We texted out to all pork producers who have opted into this service to let them know about new resources that were available and a situational update that had happened. We will use this service again throughout the next few weeks as needed and we will use it very specifically and very strategically when there are major updates to the situation. Again, hearing from Dr. Beth Thompson with the Minnesota Department of Animal Health and Assistant Vice President of Communications, Cindy Cunningham with the National Pork Board. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Well, good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. We're going to look at how the closing grain futures ended up with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Another interesting day, I think, so maybe a bit of livestock influence happening on our grain markets. John, as we wrap up the trading session today. Yeah, grain's taking a step back. Um, you know, as we, we test the low from well, the late last week um, on the May contract here, I... You know, we, we got delivery approaching. We should be making a low here in the coming weeks. Um, at this point, the value in corn is very well reflected in where the market is right now. So my comments yesterday, when we were five cents higher, the same as my comments today. I think we're we're down here through the early part of this week, and I think we'll stage a turnaround probably next week, the week after, uh, after the WASDE report, and we, we start looking at summer weather. Um, as far as livestock goes, you know, the fallout from that will be long term and, and then that's going to become a political and a legal battle so um you know buckle up i'm sure people in your your industry are going to be talking a lot about learning a lot about the meat business in the coming weeks very much so you and i were talking yesterday about the weekly crop progress report did you see any surprises in those numbers that were released no not really i mean from the pro- progress side it's, it was very very good um 
you know, I mean, just fantastic. And I, I'm kind of hearing some talk out there. The new acreage will be up, just given how quickly things are going in the ground. The folks guys, you know, they're taking up insurance payments here, and they're figuring, oh, why not plan it? You know, it's already there. Um, with beans, it's a little bit of a different story. I think it's more of a gamble, just given that, you know, you're passing up the opportunity to plant. That's not the case for just being as far ahead. We a correction there and uh, further correction in, in conditions. But I, I still think it, the wheat's got a long way to go. And, and um, you know, it really has more to do with black sea than, than the U.S. Uh, prices at this point, in my opinion. And South America Harvest continues. How the real trade in, in the markets today? Poor again. I mean, the, the, the long-term thing here is that has to change for, for U.S. to get back to, you know, any semblance of what it looked like five, six years ago. Um, you know, short-term here, I think there's there's upside just because we're so cheap. So, you know, we're not all the arguments and be bearish, um, you know, all on the same things. So I think they're probably discounting it. Um, corn right now, the currency is very reflective of the rei, and I think the rei turns, I think corn will as well. All right, sounds good. Thanks so much for joining us today, John. Joining us again is John Payne. He's with Daniels Ag Marketing. You can learn more about them at danielsagmarketing.com. And do remember that trading futures involves a risk of loss and is not suitable for all investors. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. And that'll wrap up today's midday program here on KRVM. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, if you missed anything, go to podcast on krvn.com or subscribe to the midday podcast that you can be found on Spotify or iTunes. Our midday program is brought to you by Deveni Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Deveni Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.